to the Content That Grows podcast. Today we're sitting down and uh, discussing uh, how to identify topics and understanding search intent. And I'm excited to have with me today, Derek Flint, Marketing Manager at TenSpeed. How's it going, Derek? Uh, really great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, you bet. Um, so Derek's been uh, with our company for a little over a year and started out as a uh, strategist on our team. So is very, very familiar with this work and, and kind of doing it for a number of clients. So excited to be digging in today. And so essentially what we're, we're looking at is, uh, you know, last, if you didn't listen to episode one uh, of the season, we really kind of covered how to identify an ICP and understand their pain points so that, you know, as your company's thinking about creating content that's focused on the ICP, um, how to do that. And so then this is the follow on of, you know, how to, how to identify those topics. So once you know your ICP uh, that you want to attract with your content, you know, how do you identify the right topics and then also understand the search intent behind each one. So um, for today, you know, a couple of things we're really going to cover is making sure that the topics really mesh well with your overall content strategy. Shouldn't be an island, but really should kind of all work together quite well. Um, how you go about, you know, identifying and creating topic clusters, uh, evaluating topic performance, understanding search intent for topics, uh, and then also uh, some common pitfalls with selecting topics. So, uh, you know, jumping in, I think it's always helpful. Uh, like, I think a lot of people have access to HREFs and SMRF, Shamas, any of those, but like, um, even then you kind of have to know what you're doing to get started to even build a roadmap of topics. Otherwise you're going to have maybe super generic things. So, um, you know, what are some of the things you kind of think about Derek when you get started, uh, in the first place and, and thinking about ICP and, and just where do you go to, to find topics? Yeah, I think where I like to start out, um, and I think as an agency, we've sort of adopted this framework as well is, um, starting as niche as possible in terms of being as close to the, the product or, you know, the ICP and pain points as possible. I think a good example of this is like we work with almost entirely software companies um, and you just sort of work your way down. So, you know, what kind of a software company are you? Well, we're customer support software. And then you move down further. They probably don't do all of customer support. So what are they? And they may be, um, they specifically are text messaging software. So now we've got this sort of like body of content uh, yeah. topics that we can work around we're like, okay, what do people need to know about text messaging or text messaging software? That way we're more able to start out uh, both focused on ICPs, but we can remain product led even within a content led approach. Yep. Um, I think after that, I would just say, I naturally seem to lean toward, and I think in discussions with you and Kevin, um, retention style content, like retention topics or sales enablement topics. Mm -hmm. um, part of that being, it's likely that, you know, I know on the last episode we talked about customer success and like approaching those teams for topics. It's likely that if we can find in our keyword research tools and in our interviews, um, those types of topics were directly speaking to a customer already, uh, which is going to help us build loyalty and kind of, I think unites 
an entire content strategy, mm-hmm. especially from an outside agency perspective. So we're rolling up and we do want the social media team to buy in. We do want the sales team to buy in and to be on our meetings. So let's do a little bit of a deeper strategy component, which is like our strategy for interacting with our clients um, to make sure they've got topics to work with where they can hand things over directly. Um, And it's a bonus, right? If those, those topics can perform through the channel of a search engine. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the interesting thing there is like, um, I would say there's kind of two ways at an extremely high level. There's two ways to start. One is you just start dropping keywords into an SEO tool and, you know, and see what similar keywords come back and and whatnot. Um, Or you start with your product, your customer service, uh, sales enablement type of things and then look to see kind of where there is opportunities surrounding those those ideas or those concepts. Um, and that's to your point on the product led, I think what's interesting is uh, I think a lot of people get hung up when they go that route, but then put stuff into a tool and see that there's little or no search volume uh, mm-hmm. because it feels like this is something I shouldn't pursue because this other head term has 25,000 searches a month or something. And I think that's that's a big miss a lot of times is that not understanding that, you know, the tool may show 10 searches a month. One, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the reality. Uh, and two, those could be 10 extremely targeted um, people searching that each month if it were, if it were truly 10. And so, um, yeah, we've seen a lot of success uh, with topics that even just show zero searches per month. But starting that way with looking at product, looking at the true pain points, and moving, moving up, like you said. So, um, yeah, I think that's definitely one thing I would, would call out is like, um, you can, I think, start by like looking at keywords and, and kind of narrowing down that way into like, okay, well, I see that, you know, trend in these that they kind of fit that. But I think there's, um, probably more that gets missed or, or more, more often that you're going in a, a little bit of a direction you shouldn't starting there versus starting with some of the product and and customer success type of topics. Yeah, I think if you were sincerely brainstorming, it would be fine to plug around in a third-party tool like a keyword research tool. Um, It just kind of misses the point a little bit. Like, it's sort of, there are definitely agencies out there who run a a sprint model where they're like, you know, we're going to create you 2,000 articles in a year. And if that were the case, then, yeah, you could probably just fully lean into the tool. Um, Yeah cluster up and go but we're generally working with people and want to be mindful of the budgets that we have who don't want to and should not run a sprint like that Um, so part of that is just controlling for like what's going to get you the most bang for your buck it's probably these very specific long tail keywords that required us to do a little bit of uh, you know thinking and understanding those those pain points it's interesting how it'll there's zero click keywords that tend to be really great. And then there are topics as well, which we've run into. And I know I've created content for where the search volume will, it'll say 60,000 a month. It'll be insanely high and the keyword difficulty will be low. Um, Mm -hmm. And we'll put them on page one. And the next thing you know, they're getting like three, four clicks a month for that. Yeah. Um, Which speaks to like, 
some for you really want to understand your user you want to understand search intent for certain queries so if someone wants to know whether or not their pet can eat an orange they probably don't need a blog post to understand if it can do that they just want to yep. see yes or no and yep. google does a totally. nice job of just putting that on the cert yeah absolutely yeah i think that's, that's super interesting and then, you know, even from there i think um you know i guess before we jump into really getting into like the creating of topic clusters i think the other aspect of kind of where to start is like um making sure that it's fitting inside of the the overall content strategy well and so you know is that that you need to know what the overall strategy is and use that as sort of guiding points to do some of the topic research or do you think about it more as um just broader themes starting with keyword research i, I don't i don't personally like when Keyword research dictates an entire content strategy. I don't think that's really the, the way, but you know, I guess of some of those different ways you could go about it, where, do, where does your mind go on that? I generally do um, think that themes are the way that I approach it. Uh, again, it's, it's a funny place to be because we run a strategy inside of your strategy. Um, and we want to give guidance, and I think we're particularly great at understanding, you know, where where are your gaps, where you're not filling in your own narrative, or your competitors are talking about similar things, um, yeah. and here's where you're you're missing the narrative or the series. But I think themes do a, a better job of allowing us to have the freedom to move about and do the research within those pieces. Um, while making sure we're plugged in to everything else you're doing, we're making it easy for you to distribute um, our content because of topic alignment via mm -hmm. your other channels. So if you're emailing out all about one theme, then the piece that we're doing that's optimized is going to fit naturally into that. And no one's going to feel the jarring effect of just like random siloed SEO efforts. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. And I think that's, that's uh, very much where we landed as a, a scalable, repeatable solution when we were, were building stuff at Sprout too, was just, we kind of know overall what's happening from a product marketing perspective and you know, the direction in you know, high level points on the product roadmap. And we understand any sort of brand campaigns or, or initiatives around that. But within that, there's sort of the autonomy to kind of build the topic roadmap which gives flexibility to do, you know, any refreshing of existing content that needs to happen. Um, there's room to do that. And then there's also just room to find those opportunities, but then just generally and thematically making sure that it, it kind of fits in with everything else. Yeah. I think it allows, it allows for the interaction to feel more like a partnership rather than one of us leading back and forth. I don't know if you've picked up on this, but content marketing in general is, um, is a, skill of compromise around topics. Uh, mm -hmm. I think in any creative endeavor like what we do, uh, there's personalities and ego involved and like who's running the train and who gets to own all of content yeah. and things like that. So I think it builds a nice compromise and allows you to show your wins by, by also allowing other people to have a certain level of control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I think, uh, 
from an overall content strategy, I mean, that's very much been my perspective around the, the, the point of compromise is like, you know, if something's written for thought leadership or, uh, you know, point of view type of piece, it shouldn't have to go through an SEO review or something. And like, like if you have this killer title or hook or something, let's not dilute that by trying to force some keyword into it, you know, like right. just understanding, you know, from a podcast to a video to, you know, any other type of content, what's the intent behind it. Um, and if, if the, uh, sorry, we're going to kind of use that term. Uh, <laughs> In different ways if i say that uh what's the goal of the content is what i mean and so uh if the goal is the first and foremost the goal is not for it to rank organically and generate organic traffic then it shouldn't really have to go through that that level of review or, or trying to optimize that stuff so to me yes the compromise i think is a great great point to add yeah i also i think there's an advantage if you're not doing it right now to keeping your SEO agency involved in the overall strategy, not just from like a siloing perspective, but um, I do want, you know, clients to write their thought leadership pieces and the pieces with, you know, potential for high virality on social things like that. But what I don't want to happen is for them to be publishing and us to not have any idea what the topics are that are coming um, even for our own performance reviews, I, I don't want things to cannibalize. So I have incentive yep. in helping you like choose topics where you seem like the professional or we don't have to go through this, but we can also advise on the technical aspects of saying, well, maybe you don't index that one, um, mm-hmm. or you take this other kind of approach so we can keep everything at top performance. Yeah, and it's and it's surprising. Uh, great point on like the agency relationship, and even it's surprising how a company it doesn't actually have to be that big before you can start to kind of have siloed de- teams within marketing that are sort of creating that same scenario. You know, where it's like you like teams within marketing can be creating stuff that cannibalizes that there's not good communication and, and strategy around that. So um, definitely, definitely impacts both client and agency relationships and also just in-house marketing teams can, can very much do that to themselves too. For sure. Um, so jumping in, I, you know, I want to make sure we get some good time around this because I think it's a big one. Um, the thing that's always been fascinating to me about identifying topics and in you know, particular, you know, topic clusters, um, which maybe we can even just kind of define a topic cluster uh, a little bit more for anyone who's not as familiar with that. But uh, it's sort there's never like this clear boundary or clear defining line of like where um, a singular topic ends, like which keywords should be part of the topic and which shouldn't. And then similarly, similarly, where the topic cluster sort of ends and where a new one begins. And so because of that, you know, when you're doing um, research or pivoting data or anything like that, or just like from a qualitative perspective, looking at it, I think it can get really confusing because you can just keep rationalizing. Oh, I should add this to that. I could see how that's connected. And um, 
you make these connections. So from one hand, one standpoint, from an organic search, there's like the natural language processing and the mm -hmm. semantic relationships and kind of understanding uh, how to look at it from that standpoint. And then there's also like, as a company thinking about the, the topic cluster and do you actually have a product page on this or is this something you would want to create as a standalone guide um, and some of those other things that's not just all like do I create another blog post on this but there can be some strategic ways you're sort of grouping things together uh, how this the content lives on your site how it's promoted with other content a lot of those things so um, what are some of your thoughts on you know how you kind of get started or, or how how you found a good way to know when to kind of draw that line and and uh, call a topic a topic and, and not keep adding to it or, or call a cluster good and and move on from there would be kind of helpful. Yeah, um, I think I do come at this from, from two different angles. One is obviously the like SEO in me that, you know, is like, well, we're connecting entities via this sure. bot system, right? And we're going to internally link like things. I think the like clearest example of that is typically Wikipedia. Like if you think in the way that that's laid out, we've all played the fun game of can you get from one page to the other. Yeah. Um, the other really clear example, I think, of, of pillaring and clustering to your point earlier and helping define or visualize it is uh, e-commerce. Companies tend to do a really nice job of pillaring and clustering if you think about the pillar being the category page and the cluster being all of the products related to. Mm -hmm. So that's really what you're doing. The other side of that I, I tend to use, which I don't think SEO and, and content marketing are necessarily very different. I think they have the same goal. And as Google gets better, those two words will likely become synonymous. Mm -hmm. um, is almost a more intuitive storytelling archetype approach. Um, some people will call this, I think like Rand Fishkin might call it a, a series. Um, so how do you get people interested in episode one through nine? Well, they should be similar and you're going to naturally, you, you've deemed those nine things kind of go together. Yeah. Um, and then um, I think courses are another really interesting way of thinking about pillaring and clustering. It's like, well, what's every topic you would want to cover in order to make someone feel like they learned what they needed yeah. to around this topic. Um, so I think those are kind of succinct ways of understanding that. I just don't think anything's that pretty out in the wild. Um, yeah. And I think results can come in with more novel ideas than just doing that. So um, for instance, I, I know I've run a strategy a number of times of thinking of, you know, challenges to doing X, right? And, and a list of challenges comes up around a topic and these are the challenges. And then within that, you kind of take a high level approach to list those out and maybe you offer one solution. But yeah. then each of those challenges likely has a more complicated solution to it and needs more detail added. So each challenge could then become its own cluster piece. Um, yep. And you're finding a keyword that matches across each one um, and that sort of relational aspect and the internal links you're going to use to connect all of those things are going to create the correct signals. Um, 
Google's process is wildly complicated and it knows how to relate all these pieces together. So you don't need to copy your competitors, um, you know, exactly how they cover it and get it. I do think, however, that I love using a tool like Screaming Frog when you you see your your content or your e-commerce competitor, whoever's ranking for a, a query that you want. I think it's wildly helpful to grab these tools that allow you to visually see, well, what did they connect this to? And, right. you know, what what's the relational pieces that they're drawing? Um, I've never found that you need to do the same thing. Um, but I think that's just a good way to get a sense of like, okay, they've connected 10 pieces. We should probably connect to 10 pieces. Um, just as a general guide, obviously all these are, are a little bit of a general generalization, but at some point you have to start making rules for recipes to help give the client the best chance. Um, especially when you're thinking about pillaring and clustering, the way I, I tend to look at it is if I've got to sit in front of the board or whoever and explain to them, you know, why I created 12 or why I didn't, like I have to have a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, so if the, if the page sitting on in position one has 10 cluster pieces of content propping it up, uh, and I have two and it's not performing, well, there's, there's your answer. Yeah, it's it's super interesting how yeah, I think there are, there are good signals there, but then like you said, some of the external whether it's the episodic content or courses or things like that, I think are good to kind of have some sort of like real-world visual of how that, you know, how that could play out. And so, yeah, I think for me, um in my experience with with building them I think the the one thing that's been super helpful is sometimes you just build something and then as it's indexed, not not like build it just on a whim, but like a topic <laughs> or I think this should be part of this topic cluster or whatever. Um, just build it and then over time as it gets indexed and starts to pick up um, data and traffic and impressions, then you can see in search console like oh okay like we're doing well in these areas but google's also matching it to you know this group of five to ten queries to this but it's just in like you know position 80 plus or something so google is seeing a connection to those and wanting to match it but it's not doing well because you didn't really write about that and then that becomes this clear signal that you go ahead and create either you know increase the amount of content you have on that existing post to better incorporate that or uh you know create a standalone piece and fully cover that topic and then just link to it from from the existing one and so i think that's you know one of the things that if if you're really just kind of getting twisted up and and unclear like do i include this do i not um, sometimes you just kind of roll with it and then look at the data as it starts to come in and just see, you know, did I make the right decision? Did I leave some stuff out and, and go from there? How do you feel about the the pillaring and clustering strategy, but across different types of content on a website? 
as in like formats? Yeah, so, you know, I guess as an example, using service pages along with blog posts to kind of complete this this pillar and cluster idea. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think service pages can typically do well as a pillar, but just the way that they're written. I think the biggest challenge is the the intent of the people coming to that page and what you ultimately want them to do next, which is usually convert, um, mm-hmm. you know, off of like some sort of solution or, or feature page. Um, I think the big challenge there is having a natural way to do all the internal linking to the supporting pieces without just taking people who have a commercial <laughs> purchasing intent and taking them off into content, which is sort of going the wrong way. Um, but I think they generally fit well, but definitely like all content uh, marketing formats, I guess, like creating a cluster that includes video and podcasts and blog posts and you know whatever else type of, of formats. Um, I really like that. I think um, I think the go-to is sort of just to think about cl- topic clusters only as blog content, but I think certainly there's a lot of value in being able to to kind of collect all of those together into one what about you um yeah i think it generally has when plugging into a company it feels like it's it does depend on what their services or features are like if we were going to go back to the service thing like this is less of a software play but you see it all the time in the legal sphere um so lawyers will especially personal injury lawyers will run across their service pages which will all be keyword optimized and then the clusters will be their blog posts and they'll filter in and it's again it's that internal linking um i think a lot of times in software i don't see it as much but that's because the pages are a little more sincere and genuine and and less pushy and let, to your point, like they're fine to drive someone from a blog post or a, another appropriate page into. Um, but I still think if, to your point, you've created it and we can see it in Google Search Console that that page is generating queries and being understood for queries that belong in a cluster, then it definitely makes sense. But again, I wouldn't drive them off my service page and backwards. Right. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, we actually, uh, prior to, like, I think HubSpot was maybe the one that sort of made, maybe didn't coin it, but at least made popular the the term topic clusters, um, you know, hub and spoke type of stuff. Um, but even before they were really writing about that, uh, at Sprout, we just, we had like thousands and thousands of posts. And so then that's where, um, our team created, we literally called them topics because that was not really as much of a, a term that was used at the time, but, but it was like, well, we have, you know, whatever, 17 articles and three white papers or whatever, three eBooks and, you know, a couple recorded webinars about enterprise social media management. So let's create an enterprise topic and like have a nice overview and then like link to all those resources and just did that 
uh, almost on repeat because we just already had so much content. It's just like, oh, wait, well, we can cluster these and kind of went from there. And it was uh, very, very successful. And so uh, I've done that. And then, it, you know, with other clients as well, I've seen some really solid like playlist or uh, or topic cluster models where they're kind of pulling in a number of, of formats. So, yeah, I think, I think it's a really uh, key way to do that. And then also just like keeps you from having this awkward I think it's so awkward when websites have like just here's all the blog content here's all the video like each mm. format is has a lot of great content but like very rarely does someone go to a website and go like I just want to watch video or I just want to you know read like maybe but most of the time you're going there with intent to understand a topic in the kind of find everything on that topic. So um, I, <laughs> collecting it together makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I think if you're unf I, I feel like SEOs have an advantage in content marketing and general website building simply because what you're the frameworks with which you're forced to think about the setup and, and topics mm -hmm. to choose put you in, you eventually just start to recognize good UX. Like these things connect together, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, we had to do it more on like a technical end starting out where it was like, okay, how do I interlink these or do whatever? But I think you can be a, a dangerous content marketer with no SEO experience and just start to understand like, well, what things go together? You know, what, what topics should connect? How are these thematically related? We can group these and any numbers of ways, as long as it really does make sense. Um, and you'll see yep. the SEO benefits from that, but you'll also be, you know, making the person's life easier. Who's trying to navigate all of that. Yep. Yeah. And even like just taking a step back and thinking about, um, what format makes sense for this topic, mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a highly visual thing. Maybe it shouldn't be a blog post with 80 images, maybe it should be a three minute video that gets the same, you know, the same thing across. And so, yeah, totally agree. I think, um, and that in to that end, like that is ultimately what ranking is about. Ranking is not trying to hack your way into like doing it. It's Google is rewarding websites with the best experience and best information. Uh, relative to what someone's searching so right yeah I think um, yeah that gets into like if you want to we get all the time as anyone does like people who give you basically a headhunt list of keywords they want mm -hmm. and they're like how do I get that and the yep. secret is well type that word into Google and see what it gives you if the entire yep. page is videos don't create a blog like that's a topic that needs yep. a video yeah, uh, which is the perfect segue into, you know, talking about how to understand search intent. And so, you know, again, uh, topics is, maybe, uh, again, maybe we should have defined this a little earlier, but <laughs> topics, you know, as we say topics from a search perspective, we're, we're talking about um, ultimately a keyword or topic, uh, like how to set up a CRM or whatever it might be. But the, the nuance there is like the topic is something that there is a, there's information to share sort of beginning to end. And it 
is not limited to one keyword, but really that there are tens, hundreds, even thousands of keywords that ultimately match to that topic. And so thinking about it from that perspective. So uh, I should have I should have said that earlier, but um, now as we're thinking about uh, identifying the topics uh, and what we want to create content around, the key is really understanding the search intent behind it. So as Derek, as you were just saying, uh, you know, one super easy way is just to take uh, a keyword phrase, type it into search engine and look at what's there. And so at a high level search intent would be uh, what the person is trying to do when they search whatever the keyword phrase is. And so um, obvious answers or obvious examples around that would be, you know, a whatever, uh, Nike Air Max size 10 uh, has pretty clear purchase intent. You know, that is someone who's very specifically looking something up, specific model size, they want to buy something. Um, you know, there's like navigational stuff like Facebook login or whatever, where you're, you're just trying to get to a website. Um, and then, you know, a lot of what we deal with is sort of the like commercial, informational, educational. But even if there's these high sort of nice little labels to put on stuff, you, there's a lot of nuance within that. And so, um, again, as you were saying, searching, you know, if you see a ton of videos, probably don't do a blog post. Similarly, if you see a bunch of home pages of like other software products, then that is a signal that Google is sort of interpreting this intent as like people that are trying to find tools or software um, versus if it's, you know, nine out of 10 on the first page are 54 examples and 26 examples or whatever, like all on a blog, then like trying to rank your homepage uh, is probably not going to work because there's some ideas around intent that people are researching or trying to find, you know, large number of examples. So pretty crude examples, but I think it's important and uh, is really a big piece of this is not only are you identifying the topics, but then understanding the search intent behind them to know how to create the content in a way that satisfies that intent. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I, I, I think for, for us that one of the unique things that there are, there seem to be two intents that circulate the SEO and content marketing worlds, which is search intent, which you just described, which generally mm -hmm. the four buckets, and then there's contextual intent, um, yep. which is what I've heard thrown around. I'm sure there's another way to say that phrase, but that's essentially like what should a piece be about and what topics should it cover within it? So what are the subtopics of a singular keyword? Um, which I think are, are important sort of when you're moving around multiple points of search intent, especially if you're surfing around for volume and you're like, I, I want this traffic volume. A lot of people love to pick topics around seed keywords. Mm -hmm. um, but you can pretty quickly get a sense of how confusing and challenging some of those seed keywords are once you start to understand search intent. Yeah. So you can imagine, I think I, I've written about this before in a newsletter, but the word goldfish, if mm -hmm. you just think about it 
and then you think about who might be looking for goldfish. Well, that SERP is all over. The search intent for that is unclear um, mm-hmm. because it could be, well, are you looking for a restaurant? <laughs> well, not for goldfish. But, you know, do you want to buy a goldfish as a pet? Do you want to locate a store to buy that, you know, for local search? Um is there a place around you, like a swim school named Goldfish? Are you looking for the brand? Are you trying to buy snacks? That yeah. It gets really confusing. So then when you're looking at like what content should I create, it's probably best, depending on if you're a local place or not, um, to look for a longer tail keyword that has a more clear search intent. Um, yeah, yeah lo- longer questions... Uh, or or topics where you can more naturally think of like, okay, I understand exactly what we're looking for here. Are yeah. easier targets and probably better targets. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that um, certainly in the last, I don't know what it is now, two to three years, like the, there's been sort of a big surge in people using sort of the NL, NLP uh, tools like, ClearScope or SEO Surfer, any of those that sort of like this shortcut almost of like just put in a a topic and we'll tell you all the things you should cover in order to have a well optimized piece um, with some data around like you know analyzing the existing SERP to say here's you know what we're seeing from like an intent or format or something like that, but. I think the biggest thing there is like, it's, um, so one, I think a number of companies have done well with literally just like SEM rush subscription and the clear scope subscription, and they just create content, uh, and they've done pretty well. I think the challenge is that it's very, there's two things. One, it's very backward looking. So all it's telling you is okay, well, of the people that are there currently, what do they have mm-hmm. um, versus like, how do you be better than everyone else? Um, so important to know those inputs and, and, and kind of understand that. Um, but then two, it doesn't, it's very one-off. It's like this great system for like, find a topic, drop it in ClearScope, build the outline, create the content. Um, but I do think that it empowers people to do that in a way that ultimately they are not seeing the the bigger picture and how it all starts to work together or not work together in terms of internal linking and internal competition and cannibalization and uh, some of those things, those challenges that just begin to happen at scale uh, where you're, you're kind of running into that. So I think that those do a good job of, of kind of helping provide some of that context on search intent and and even what to include within the piece but then ultimately are sort of creating some of the issues down the road that that are complexities of scale agreed um so i you know i would kind of consider that like a a common pitfall um maybe maybe not so much for selecting topics but kind of like it's like a it doesn't it doesn't uh, rear its head quite so early, but it, it will eventually. Um, but you know, what are what are some of your 
maybe not favorite, favorite's probably not the right word, but uh, <laughs> some of the, the ones that come to mind for you, I guess, for, for some of the common pitfalls. I think the biggest pitfalls, they stem from or, or generate from like the reality of you have so much time and so many resources to create content. And so the, a reality sets in at some point where you're like, we've got resources to create six pieces of content. And then the next thing you know, you're sort of putting a ton of pressure on those. And you also end up choosing six different pieces of content because you want to cover all of those topics. Um, the pitfall is just wanting to do too much all at once. And it seems like over and over and over again, if you can stay focused on one or two topics that are critical at every level of the business from customer success through sales to marketing, you're, just, you're going to be more successful than trying to very vaguely cover a couple of topics, uh, especially in SEO, because yeah. you're not going to get the clustering effect where rankings move up because you clustered like things. Um, you know, Google's got to weigh in like, okay, these guys created one thing around this software topic. Yeah. Their competitor created 30. Why do we send them to the one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I think the bandwidth, bandwidth restraints are a reality for everyone. Um, it's just that the bandwidth isn't the same, but ultimately everyone has those restraints and uh, has to make some of those decisions. And so, yeah, I think that's a definitely a great point. I think some of the stuff that we've talked about a little bit here and there, I would call out like um, this desire to kind of just like pull large lists of keywords and then sort descending on monthly search volume <laughs> and end up going after these like head terms and, and things with mixed intent and whatnot. Um, so I think that's a challenge. I think thinking about it, myopically is like one keyword equals one one post like in mm -hmm. not understanding that identifying topics has a lot of keywords that are sort of nested within that topic yeah i would um i would yeah. jump in on that point which is to say if that happens to you in your content program and someone on your team or someone outside of your team is servicing that type of strategy you can either very quickly correct them or if you've hired them you should as an outside agency get rid of them yeah um, yeah because yeah, it's just the case that so many keywords mean the same thing which you talked about earlier um, there are plenty of blog posts where the single post can have 10,000 plus keywords yeah. attached to it um, you know, customer service and customer support often mean the same exact thing you don't need to target that with two blog posts um, yep yeah, totally. Yeah, I think another is like there's there's not really a need. Uh, maybe that's not how I want to phrase it. Um, I think a lot of times software companies have this feeling that the feature page or solution page or homepage uh, that they put a lot of time and effort into exactly how to phrase it and show the product and the product marketing aspects of it and then feel that the head term should be what that page ranks for mm -hmm. um, because they want it to get the most traffic and it's 
the highest level descriptor, you know, of whatever. And, and it's, it's just ignoring the intent. So I think overall, like ignoring or not taking into account, like you said, search intent or contextual intent of the piece, I think is, is definitely a pitfall, but then even more specific to SAS is that desire for the feature page to, to rank for the head term and get all the traffic when the reality is you need to understand what are the, what's the topics that are related to that level of intent and that type of intent and, and focus there while still doing a good job with product marketing and letting that be the primary objective over SEO. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's probably a lot more. We could probably go for another 20 minutes on, on pitfalls, but you know, I think those are some of the big ones that we see that uh, really over time kind of add up to some complicated issues. So this is great. And you know, as we look into the next episode, we are going to go even deeper on, you know, building topic clusters and the internal linking aspects of that. So we started to get into some of that today and, and really be able to kind of understand um, the broader uh, approach to identifying topics and you know ways to go about that pitfalls all that stuff and then yeah next episode we'll go we'll go much deeper into the actually building topic clusters and what internal linking looks like and how to do it well and all that stuff so uh, definitely check out the next episode where we go deeper on that and if you uh, want to get uh, show notes or any other details on this one definitely visit tensby.io slash podcast for more uh, and please, you know, uh, subscribe and review this podcast. We'd appreciate it. Until next time, thanks for, for joining us and thanks, Derek. Anytime.